You could spend the weekend doing the same old whatever, or you could conquer the weekend in the all-new Hyundai Santa Fe. Visit HyundaiUSA.com for more details. Hyundai, there's joy in every journey. This episode is brought to you by Shopify. Whether you're selling a little or a lot, Shopify helps you do your thing, however you cha-ching. From the launch your online shop stage, all the way to the we just hit a million orders stage. No matter what stage you're in, Shopify's there to help you grow. Sign up for a $1 per month trial period at shopify.com slash special offer, all lowercase. That's shopify.com slash special offer. Always Aggravated, a Mike Valenti signature podcast. So this week on Always Aggravated, we're all over the place. We talked to uh, ESPN front office insider Bobby Marks on all things unibrow, Anthony Davis, Little Pistons, Little League Talk. And then, with it being Super Bowl week, we had some fun about Super Bowl parties and, well, the social pressure of actually going to one. And then a couple of Super Bowl moments off the field that you're not going to want to miss. So let's go. All right, Bobby Marks. Bobby, I'm I'm thrilled. I got a million things for you, so we can just jump right in. I, I listen. I'll always make time for a noted Marist alum. <laughs> Did you go to Marist? No, I, I grew up probably 45 minutes north of there, up uh, near Albany. But yeah, it's oh, sure. it yeah. was it was a place when I thought of getting into broadcasting. I know Marist had a big program, and I looked at yeah. it. Put the uh, metropolis of Poughkeepsie. It, it it just didn't draw me in. <laughs> no, I got to tell you before we uh, before we get knee deep in all the AD stuff though, I, I got to have you do this. It's it's a selfish thing that I want the listeners yeah. of the podcast to do. I I fell in love with one of the stories you told Woj, and this was a long time ago. It might have been last year, many pods ago. But I grew up, like I said, grew up on the East Coast. I remember the disaster the New Jersey Nets were. You right. told Woj a story about the Secaucus 7. Oh, and you as an intern <laughs> driving this guy driving, home with yeah, no navigation. Driving, uh, tell this yeah, story, driving, please. Yeah. yeah. You want to do it on the pod or you want to just me to tell you? No, tell it right now. We're, we're rocking and rolling. I just want to uh, hear it. Yeah. we, we um, yeah, well, Part of my, one of my duties was... Uh, when I was an intern was I would drive the owners home after our board meetings. And, um, we had the sea caucus seven, seven bit local businessmen, you know, millionaires, but not crazy like it is today. And, um, uh, one of our, our owners lived in uh short Hills, New Jersey. And, uh, I would, I would drive him home. And one night he, he forgot where he lived and we had to go back on the highway and he was an avid runner. And we basically had to retrace his 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 jog in the morning, like the exact where he would, because that brought you know some clarity as far as you know, because he would go out the house, run alongside the highway, and then come back. And we had to actually trace, you know, there was no navigation system back in the nineties like that. We had to trace his steps, and that's how I got him home. Maybe this is part of the reason the Nets used to be such a complete disaster. <laughs> For, for younger well, people, and and that, and that's a, you know the Seacock is seven. When we Willis was the uh, Reed was the general manager at the time, and you know whenever we had a trade, it had to go to a vote. So you know it's hard to get seven businessmen on the line all at once. Oh, yeah. So if we if you had a deal um, that you thought would have been agreed upon in the morning, I mean you're probably not calling that team back till the next day um, because. You got you know seven guys, all had different opinions. They're good guys, but just 
it's a lot different. You know, nowadays you have one or two owners, but yeah, we had seven. The Seacock is seven. It's it's a story. Not a lot of. I mean, we're based in Detroit, so not a lot of people are familiar with it. But I I grew up with it. And it was just legendary, the stories of dysfunction. But I just, I needed that to kick this off. All right, let, let, let's get into AD. It's everywhere. I can't fight it. I'm fascinated by it. It's, it's, it, it, I mean, Bobby, I'm kind of, I mean, I'm an NBA geek. I, I've loved the league since I was a little kid. I just, I'm looking at this and I'm going, okay, when is the last time a guy in his prime that's this good got traded? And you may have to, and again, you reserve the right to make fun of me, Bobby, you might have to go back to Kareem. I, I, I couldn't come up with a comp for a player like this that will be traded in this manner. It's un, it's unprecedented almost. No, you're right. I mean, I think you could make an argument for Kawhi if Kawhi was healthy last year. Sure. But, he, you know, he wasn't. You know, I mean, Kawhi was, <clears throat> is a top-five talent, but at the time he was moved, there was a lot of questions as far as if, when, where he was health-wise, you know, where he commit long-term. There was a lot of different things. And, and we, you could probably ask a lot of people if you rank Kawhi Leonard in the top ten going into the summer, you would probably um, probably say no. But, yeah, AD is, is fascinating. You know, it's funny, you know, quick story. So, you know, this broke yesterday morning. And, you know, I woke up, I get up at 6.30, you know, every morning, or 6 o'clock every morning, my kids get out of the house, and um, I go for a walk. And I leave my house at 7, but I left my phone in the kitchen. Uh-oh. And I'm thinking, like, w- there, there's nothing going on, right? You know, I talked to Woj the night before. We're talking, <laughs> you know, about different things, blah, blah, blah. There's, there's nothing, you know. We did a radio show that night, and um, so I, I go out for a walk for an hour and 15 minutes, and all of a sudden I come home, and there's like 10 messages, 8 texts, 3 missed calls, and I'm like, what is going on? And it was AD. It was, oh. it was, it was, I said, that figures. The you one know, time. Day without, we can go a day without nothing, and then all of a sudden the, one of the best players in the world has to be traded <laughs> you know, at 7 in the morning. Right. So, um, but it's, it's funny. But, yeah, you're right. I mean, I think – you know, we haven't seen a player like this um, asked to be out with another year left on his contract. He's not an expiring contract. I think that plays a big role on um, the timeline on how, you know when he could be moved. Um, you know, it's uh, it's an interesting situation because it's another case of a player who potentially could sign for two hundred forty million dollars and is bypassing that with for the opportunity to win, even if he's going to risk you know fifty sixty million dollars. So. Yeah, I mean it, it. It will play out in the next week, and I, um, I don't think he does get moved. He can't be Bobby. He yeah, can't it, be. It, it, I think there's a lot of factors into it. Um, a, you know, of course, um, Boston, the team that probably has the most to offer, are, are sitting on the sidelines until July one because of that quirk in the CBA, the designated rookie extension rule, where you cannot acquire two players that have signed that. They have Kyrie Irving. Davis would be the second. Um, Tyree becomes a free agent, and then that would allow them to go out pursue him this summer. Um, and then the second is that, you know, a team like the Lakers, what, what Los Angeles can offer now is, is going to be the same offer they can Correct. offer in the summer. It, it, it really is. I mean, basically how their, their roster is constructed, they have a bunch of placeholders, I call guys on one-year contracts, and, you know, they have seven or eight players on, on rookie contracts or former for draft picks. And, and most of those guys will still still be under contract. So if you're in New Orleans, you kind of take a seat back and you, you get through the next seven days unless something blows you out of the water. You get into the offseason. You get through the draft lottery. Maybe New York gets the number one pick, and all of a sudden, you know, you have the opportunity to get Zion Williamson for Anthony Davis, you know, something like that. 
um, then then that's kind of where I, I I see things kind of developing. No, I'm I'm with you. See, I'm glad you said it because it's it's what I've said to the listeners. Why would I start dealing the cards if all the poker players aren't in their seats? The best offer you're going to field is not at L.A. It's Boston. Now, again, maybe maybe it doesn't come to fruition. Maybe it doesn't happen. You can always get L.A.'s offer. My issue would be, and I want your spin, I just don't think what L.A. can offer is all that compelling because is there a future perennial all-star in the Ingram, Ball, Kuzma, Hart grouping? I, I, I can't say yes to that. No, you're right. And, you know, I wrote about it today. And, you know, even if draft picks are involved, I mean, the value of those, 2021 or 2023 or in this year are not very high. You know, you, you'd almost have to pick the years when LeBron and AD are not paired together or LeBron is, you know, it won't be under contract, which was, I think it's 2023, 2025 around there. And yeah, I, I don't, I'm not thrilled about the body of work outside of probably Kyle Kuzma. I think, you know, Josh Hart is certainly a nice piece, um, but there is no, um, there is no player there that is, a, I don't think, is a franchise level player or even even an all star level player. The, yeah, yeah. Does Ingram have appeal because he's twenty one and six nine, and you know maybe he's got some upside? And I guess handle the ball. Maybe that's it. I don't. I'm, I'm not a big Lonzo Ball fan. Um, I, I just I don't know if he can stay healthy. Uh, he's battled injuries the last two years here. Um, so yeah, I don't. I don't see where the Lakers offer, even if Davis says, hey, I want to go there, um, trumps with a team like Boston can offer, where you're looking at uh, potentially Jason Tatum. That's or the Jason one. Brown, um, Marcus Smart. Um, they've, got a, you know, they've got a boatload of draft But see, I think, I think Tatum's the trump card, Bobby. I think Tatum is that surefire future all-star. If you're New Orleans and you're doing this, Rich Paul has just blown your team up, you better get a surefire all-star back. I think Tatum is better than anything else I've heard about. And that, to me, is the trump card. Oh, you're right. Uh, and I think what Boston learned from the Kawhi situation last year where they you know, they stuck their toe kind of in the deep end but not both feet in is that, hey, to go out and get one of these players, these top five players, you've got to basically push your, your some of your good players um, to the middle, even if there is some uncertainty that, um, Anthony could leave in 2020. And I think, you know, what Oklahoma City did with Paul George, um, being able to in-house recruit him for a full year, uh, we'll see what happens with Kawhi in Toronto after this, after this season. I think that kind of gives you a little more incentive that, yes, you can be aggressive uh, when, you, when it comes to a player like that. Let me ask you this. Two things before we, we kick around a couple other teams. One thing I'm looking at, they can't let Dell Demps make this move, can they? <laughs> It's a fascinating structure down there. It really is. <laughs> That's one word for it. Yeah, you have a joint. Uh, you have the Saints and, and Pelicans kind of attached at the hip. You've got Mickey Loomis, who is the you know the general manager or executive vice president of the Saints, who oversees you know football operation, oversees the Pelicans also. And then you have you know Gail Benson, you know the you know the, the, the wife, Tom, the former you know Tom Benson, who passed away a couple of years ago, oversees things. So it's yeah. I mean, I think you have to be very careful. Um, if you're ownership or if you're Mickey Loomis as far as what type of package you are going to get out. And it's almost to a point where if you are Gail Benson or Mickey Loomis is that you are, you are, you're having a conversation with Adam Silver at the NBA, at the league office and using him as kind of a, a guide. You know, where are we are in a, this is the biggest uh, trade in franchise history. We are in a small market. 
if they make the wrong trade here, that is going to set them back forever. It's relocation, so if, Bobby. Yeah, I think if you are if you're that group and you don't have confidence in um, in, in Del Demps, is that you are using you know some people at the league office as kind of a guide as far as what makes sense. Um, so, yeah, I mean, I you know there is a lot of blame to go around in, in um, New Orleans as far as you know why this did not work. When you uh, and I know a lot of people are saying, "Well, it's a, you know, it's another small market team, you know, no. screwed here." And I think, hey, you you get as I said, you you get this guy for you had him for eight years, basically. I mean, right. you have had every opportunity to go out there, and I know that the Marcus Cousins injury last year, you know, certainly hurt hurt you. Um, you they've, you've been injury riddled this year with um, Nicole Mirtich and Julius Randle, Elford Payton, like that, but. It's another team that had a missed opportunity in the summer of 2016 when you went out and signed Solomon Hill to there it four is. years, 48. Uh, Langston Galloway, you gave a big number to. Um, Etwan Moore, so you 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 used you know 40 million dollars in cap space on three probably you know on three rotational players. No, and that that's the point. I'm so sick of the narrative. You got seven years of maybe the greatest player of the next five years, right? You couldn't find a single credible wing to put around him his entire time there. Nobody put a gun to your head to sign Solomon Hill. So it's the same thing when when you look at these other franchises. The way the structure is, you're getting the better part of a decade. So get it right or get lost. It, that's just how it works. No, you're right. And I think that the fascinating thing will, will, will happen. You know, There'll be a domino effect on this roster. And what happens to Drew Holiday now? You know, what happens if Davis has moved in the summer? Is he the next guy to go? I mean, I know his, his salary is $25, $26 million, but for a point guard who plays both ends of the court and is an you know, all-defensive level player... He's awesome. You know, that's a bargain right now. Yeah, it is. In reality, that's a bargain. So, you know, he's probably their most, after Anthony, probably their most valuable trade asset. And you've got a guy in the, in the prime of his career. Does he want to sit through a... Uh, a sit through a rebuild here, so I think that's going to be the you know there'll be there'll be a trickle down effect whenever you know Davis has moved either before uh, next Thursday the seventh or no, and and Miritich look they could set yeah. themselves up okay here if they do this right but that's part of the problem they, you got to get a general manager who's going to be here the next five years and Dell Dem saying it that's the issue. Well, and the issue is too is that and I, you know, and I and I was part of it in in Brooklyn and New Jersey. When you start doing deals because your job security is threatened, and you were looking for um, that trade that can give you a quick fix, I think you are going to make a high risk trade that is going to set the franchise back for a long time. And I think if anything good came out of uh, you know Rich Paul Anthony Davis's agent asking to be traded. Is now at least gives you some clarity from from the front office heading into the trade deadline, where now we do not have to go out and trade maybe a first round pick um, for a player to come in and help in the in the immediate um, or risk more than what we're willing to give. At least you can kind of maybe pull the reins back a little bit because hey, they're not going to make the playoffs here, you know, in the, in the Western Conference. So now it gives you a kind of a direction as far as where you want to go. How about this then? I'll I'll offer you something and and you may say, Mike, it's a decent idea or this is complete nonsense. If I'm Dell Demps and I'm the power base in New Orleans, I'm calling Rich Paul and I'm shutting AD down the rest of this season. You're not playing another minute for me. A catastrophic well, injury, I lose yeah. everything. Plus, I want to get my pick. Well, and it's it's interesting too is that what how, you know, he's out right now with that um with that finger, the finger injury, right? And 
you know, where, how does that develop down the road? Is that something that he might need surgery on? Is it something that you shut him down with if it's going to, if it's going to be linger? It's not a good, it's not a good situation where, and I faced it in Jersey when we had Jason Kidd. Uh, it wasn't as public when Jason wanted out, and I understood, you know, Jason in 2007-8 where here was a guy that, uh, you know, wanted to go win a championship in, in Dallas here, but, this is public. I mean, you know, facing your teammates, playing with your teammates, basically just riding out the string here is not a good situation to handle, uh, to, to have. And, yeah, I mean, you know, it's, it's, it's something that I think you probably consider down, down the road here. Uh, I would not be stunned if that's, that's the course that, that they go. And plus, uh, look, you got a dive bomb to save your pick. And, uh, Bobby, you see it all the time. All it takes, one bad step. He gets hurt, you lose everything. Oh, you do. Yeah, I mean, especially if it's you know a knee or an ankle, it's almost like that that college senior that doesn't want to play in a bowl game. Yep. You know, you go out and you Same shut him deal. down, and then you you keep his value as high as it uh, as high as it's ever going to be. So, AD list. Do you believe there is a list that resides out of LA? Oh, I think LA is the preference. Um, I think, you know, if you ask Anthony or Rich Paul, they probably won't tell you there is a list, but I think, I think LA is clearly number one. Um, I think there are teams that he's intrigued with that include Boston, that include, uh, potentially the Knicks. Uh, I have a hard time putting the Knicks on that list because, you know, if you give up Kristaps Porzingis or your number one pick, how much better is that roster? Than what you what you're leaving, right? <laughs> you it, it's New Orleans with higher cost it. of living. Yeah, unless you are going to get a Kevin Durant or a Kyrie Irving and Kemba Walker guys like that, but you don't know when you go out and um, you go out and do that deal. So, um, but I think there's a lot of fat. I think there's I think all 29 teams have lobbed calls to New Orleans. Um, some are realistic, some are not. I think there are wild card teams like potentially Toronto out there who still have a good young base of players. Uh, Pascal Siakam, DeLon Wright, OG, um, you know, Jonas Valanciunas' contract to, to try to make a, a, a deal work if that makes sense for New Orleans. I think there are teams like Denver out there that are kind of lurking in the, in the weeds here. So, um, but I don't know if it's a, it's a list like Jimmy Butler had in, um, in September when it was basically Clippers, Brooklyn, um, you know, the Knicks here, we had a five team list. Maybe it gets to that point when we get closer to, to Thursday, but I don't think there is a I don't think there's a list that, it, that includes anyone basically outside of uh, the Lakers right now. I hesitate to do it because I yell at listeners when they do it, but I'm gonna play trade machine and you can <laughs> you can laugh if this is silly. But I'll give you a sleeper in this. If you're Philly and you know that at least you think this Simmons and Bead thing. I think there's a lot under the surface. I'm not sure how much the two love each other. I think there's egos at play, etc. Would you dare offer Ben Simmons for AD? I would. I would, and I and I say that because uh, a you have to have a comfort level of the Embiid Davis partnership there. Two, you know, you you see in Detroit playing two bigs, you know, four, you know, two four, fours and a five. I think it can work um, based on both players' ability to, you know, they're not, you know, just back to the basket no. stretch the floor here. I think if you're um, if you're New Orleans, you're asking, okay, what else is coming? <laughs> what else can I get here? <laughs> right. Um, can Ben Simmons play with uh, with uh, Drew Holiday? I think he can because you saw that with Pay- Alfred Payton and Rajon Rondo. You know, guys playing, 
either on or off the ball with uh, with, with Holiday here. So yeah, I think guys like that. That's that. Yeah, you know, what you do is you, you kind of create a checklist as far as what you are looking to uh, look um, to obtain. You know, controllable contracts, players on rookie contracts that has a chance to be an all-star level player, draft picks. You know, Philadelphia's got you know their own potentially could be the number one pick if, if, with Sacramento. They've got an unprotected pick from Miami in 2021. Um, you know, and now it's a case of like what else is coming. You know, you've got some. You know, uh, Con- Markel Fultz. Is that does that oh, does Jesus. that wet your appetite? So yeah, I mean, I think I think that's a um, I think Simmons is, is intriguing. Um, because, you know, he's got Philadelphia has something that a lot of people do not have. Yeah, well, and again, it's it's Bobby, it, it, New Orleans, if they do this right, has to get a surefire all-star. And when you start going down the young commodities that could be available, I just started drawing blanks, and I was like you with the Knicks. There's no precedent for a 7-3 guy on a torn ACL, and I, I, I love Chris Tapps, but we just don't know. They don't have Zion yet, and they may not. If that pick up, let's say the pick ends up at three. No, I'm not taking Cam Reddish and whatever's left of Porzingis. It's too risky. So that's the only reason I threw it at you. I didn't know if you'd laugh at me or if you'd go, "Hey, that's not terrible." Well, the issue with Porzingis also is that you know he's, he, you got to pay him. <laughs> I mean, he's right. not like you're getting him in year two of his rookie contract. He's a guy who's looking for a uh, you know, four- or five-year, $150 million contract coming in off an ACL injury, and you are not going to have a body of work to probably evaluate him because the likelihood is that he probably doesn't play this year. So, all right, we've talked AD. We, we Just take him out of this. Let's just live in a pretend land where the Pels operate correctly and don't do anything till summer. Give me the biggest name that moves at the deadline. I think we have to watch the guys in Memphis. I think with uh, I think the likelihood, if you ask me, Marcus Gasol or Mike Conley, I'm going to say Marcus Gasol. You know, uh, Woj broke it last week that now they're taking offers or taking calls, which I think is the smart way. That team is sinking fast right now. I think they've won two games since uh, January 1st here. Um, the hard part with Gasol, he's got a player option for next year around $25 million. So are you getting him just for, um, you know, rental here? Um, you know, you know, but it's it's the marketplace. You know, how many teams out there are looking for centers? It's San Antonio, is Charlotte? You talked, we talked about Detroit. Um, you know, teams like that. Um, they've got a lot of rotational players um, too, with you know Garrett Temple, Justin Holiday. They just acquired guys like that. So I think Gasol, if you're if you're you know paying attention, you know, within the next nine days leading up to the trade deadline. Is a fascinating name that wasn't, you know, mentioned, you know, a month ago that potentially could be moved here. Give me a name that has not been talked about that's kind of bouncing around your head that might be a surprise at the deadline. Well, it's interesting what Milwaukee does. Milwaukee want to get into the Mike Conley sweepstakes. I think if if they are, then I think Eric Bledsoe, you know, Eric Bledsoe, George Hill. Um, guys like that. Um, if if that's what um, if, if that's what Memphis wants to do, it's it's hard to. You know, I never really want to put much stock into teams like that who are you know one or two in the East or West and are have a, has a good thing going to try to disrupt the uh, disrupt the chemistry there. So I, I think that's kind of you know I think that's if you were looking at a Conley destination, possibly I thought Indiana before Victor Oladipo that made. Um, that made uh, made somewhat sense, um, but yeah, I, I mean, you know, I, I wrote about it. We haven't published yet, and they asked me, you know, what what's one thing that um, you know, what's one thing that you know, the viewer or the reader will be shocked that will happen at a trade? Then I said, you'll probably might see more players bought out of their contracts than maybe actual trades. 
And I think there's guys like Ennis Tanner, Jabari Parker, Zach Randolph, uh, maybe, maybe Jeremy Lin in Atlanta, um, you know, certainly Carmelo Anthony in Chicago oh, are God. going to be made available. Are going to be made available. J.R. Smith uh, are going to be made available. And I thought I think you saw what what Houston has been able to do with Austin Rivers and Kenneth Free when you get, when you're able to get guys and you don't have to give up anything. You know, that gives you somewhat of a boost. Bobby, can't thank you enough. Really, really enjoyed talking to you. I'd love to have you on around the draft again if that's all right with you. That uh, sounds great. Fantastic. All right, Bobby Marks. All right, a quick break just to talk about our launch sponsor. It's the D Las Vegas. You're looking to get away, relax, have a good time. D Las Vegas has everything you need. I mean, hell, we're there every March for March Madness. And as I've said before, there ain't no better setup. On the strip, off the strip, it don't matter. Go to the D, go to that chalet upstairs, and ain't nothing better. Bottom line, next time you go to Vegas, check out the D.com. Completely renovated. Downtown is not what you remember. Hell of a lot of new places. It's It's a damn good time. There's really no other way to put it. And again, the D has everything you need. You're not going to spend a ton of money on the room. Take that money and go do fun things with it. Do what Sully does. Make a bunch of losing basketball bets. Or, or for Sully, fall asleep on the horse racing machine on the second floor vintage casino. The bottom line, the D's got it all. They got the sports book. They got the long bar. They got it all. Check it out. TheD.com to book your stay today. It's TheD.com. The D Las Vegas. And as you know, it is your home for Detroit sports in Vegas. So it is Super Bowl week, and, well, I I can't handle the coverage, but one thing we wanted to get into a little bit was the actual game itself and then the conundrum of whether you should throw a party or go to someone else's. Now, all right, fellas, we could start out with the party thing because the whole going to the game, I just have a wild take on it, but I have this conundrum every year, and I think – I'm once again going to opt to go to someone else's party, but it's just going to piss me off in doing so (laughs) because people don't fundamentally do things right for said Super Bowl party. But that me being pissed off somehow still doesn't outweigh having to do the party and put it on myself. What would be the three things in your head right now that just are just, you know, are going to happen and you're just going to, you're going to be cringing the whole time? a number one, they never have the volume on loud enough because <laughs> it's it's all people talking, talking. and bullshit. No one's paying attention. Well, and that's fine, but like you go to some of these parties and nobody can identify a football in a lineup, <laughs> and or even even better, you go to some of these parties and people have no regard for anyone and they bring their children. That's even worse. <laughs> like if you if you're bringing your kids to that party, it better be everyone's bringing kids to the party. Whereas, don't invite me. I just don't want to be around children for the Super Bowl. I don't want to be around your kids and their their, their shitty behavior. What if they're controlled, though? What if the kids are There's controlled, no such thing. they're in their own area? <laughs> or what if they like football and they're sitting there quietly just like everybody I else watching the okay, game? I think that's okay, but, but it won't happen. My but, kids watch the game. They love football. They'll sit there and they watch the football game. Yeah, but David, you're so damn military about it. <laughs> you're like Sergeant Slaughter. I, <laughs> you're just not they ask, normal. They have to ask them during the commercial if they can use the bathroom. Right. <laughs> Hello, excuse me. Can I go to the bathroom, please? Father, may I ask you a football-related query? <laughs> no. Yeah, that, that sounds that great, That is accurate. No, but the three things would be, there's no emphasis on the game, i.e. volume. Okay, I want to be able to watch the game. I want to hear it. I want to watch it. There's got to be football-related people there who care about the game. Two would be people bringing children, which to me is just a huge faux pas. You don't do that at a Super Bowl party where alcohol and great food is exchanging hands. Well, and then 
Number three would be, generally speaking, you go to someone's Super Bowl party, the food sucks. Last week's episode, we talked about what the do's and don'ts. Other people always let me down. They do the don'ts. <laughs> they don't do enough of the do's. But then it, it's like it doesn't outweigh, do me and my wife want to put on a party and put the work in to do it our way? Yeah. It's a lot of work, man. That's why people always are like, oh, bro, you throwing a party this year? Yeah. Uh, uh, no. No, I'm not. It's too much damn work. And stop asking me. So that's the problem. What do you do? Like, for me, I'm probably going to subject myself to going to a party. Now, I know there won't be kids at this party I'm selecting. There won't be. That's a positive. Huge for me. The problem, the dude who's hosting the party doesn't know his elbow from his asshole about sports. Doesn't oh, care about sports. Man. Doesn't know nothing. That's and I told shame. him. Well, I told How him. How can a guy ever be like that? I don't understand. Oh, <laughs> come on, Roberto. <laughs> I got to tell you something. They're generally more well-rounded people. That's how there's so much more important stuff in this world. But no, I already texted him. I said, oh, I don't want to say his name. That would be devastating for him. But like, bro, are you going to have the sound on or are we going to have to listen to hipster music here? Like, are, did, <laughs> you have to have the game on. Don't break my balls if I don't show up. He's like, no, I really want UML to come. I'm like, we will be there. But you got to have the game on. You got to have the sound on. Do not put it on mute so we can listen to some more of your, your Spotify playlist. <laughs> well, it has to be on loud so you can hear Tony Romo, your favorite, right, during the broadcast. Ooh, yeah. uh, here Ooh, we uh, go. Oh. No, I, but those would be the big three for well, me. Or uh, I'll give you another one, unruly pets. I hate ooh, when people own yeah. pets and they don't train them. Mm -hmm. That's a big no-no for me. That's parties in general, not necessarily just Super Bowl, too, though. Kids, pets, that type of you thing. You know what I've always wanted to do for a Super Bowl party and you can't pull it off? Is I would love to have like a big poker game. Yeah, that'd be cool for the Super Bowl. But hmm. you can't pull it off because you really people need people all over the place. Yeah, yeah, you need six to eight people. But then, okay, what about spouses? Are are they going to get all bent out of shape because no one's paying attention to them? Mm -hmm. You know what? Yep. It just doesn't work out that way. But I always thought, man, it'd be fun to play cards and watch the Super Bowl and just have kind of a low key time of it. I don't think you can pull it off. That would be a lot of fun. But it just it's so annoying to me during these parties because you always have people that freak out over the the stupid commercials yep, exactly. and only want to watch the commercials. And then don't get me started on the Super Bowl squares with people. Oh, okay, I need a, yeah. I, now I need I this I need this extra point to be missed and I need a safety and another field goal and I'll win. Right. It's it's like, like enough. it's like the guy who tells you all about his bet. We covered that in the mailbag. Nobody needs to hear it. it. All right, am I a bad person? I don't play squares. I don't either. I don't if either. If it is for a you know, like if... Charity or something? Yeah, like I'm a sucker for charity. If you tell me it's for a good cause, I'll do it. Hell, you're probably lying to me about it, but I'll still do it. Right. You win. Congratulations. You got my money. But no, I hate squares. I don't like the concept of it. No. I'm going to pay for you to allegedly draw numbers when right. we both know you hooked yourself up with sweet numbers, yep. and now I'm stuck on five and eight. <laughs> like, they have zero and seven. <laughs> yeah, whatever. They got zero and seven. Oh, and I got three and zero in another combination. Right. Well, great. You're a crook. But no, So, all right, hold on. David, your Super Bowl party, is it the church, the chili party? Is yeah, that happening? the church oh, chili nice. party. Yes. All right. And have we checked out the toilet? Is that working? Uh, the toilet is working, So yes. you're, you're you're doing the church deal. Sully, now you've Must got... Must have missed my invite to that, David. Thanks. <laughs> First Come on all, through if you want. Sully, you, are you unaware of what it would take to walk through those doors? I'm, I am unaware, yeah. It's called confession. Oh, yeah. stop it. No, it's not. David, have you ever sat in a confessional? No. We don't... No, we're a different denomination, do so we yeah. don't do what that. What are you? 
Uh, we are a uh, Pentecostal denomination, uh, so it's a little nice. different. Nothing scarier or more humbling than as like an eight-year-old, you got to go into that creepy confessional booth. <laughs> you got to have <laughs> oh, some voice behind the wall. <laughs> Tell me all the shit you've done wrong. <laughs> and then they give you your punishment. It's like 70 prayers. Oh, God. Yes. Growing up Italian Catholic in New York, that was a treat. I know exactly what you're talking about. You could say whatever you want. Uh, oh, you know, I uh, I killed somebody. Okay, say five Hail Marys. Six, okay. seven oh, active contritions. Get back to me Tuesday. Oh, uh, <laughs> yeah. and, then, and, then, wow. and then the priest asks you, so uh, who do you like for the Super Bowl? Hey, uh, Mike, listen. Listen, I got the jazz on a back-to-back in Memphis. What do you think? <laughs> Father, I just, I just told you. I hit someone with my car. <laughs> yeah, but you don't understand. Yep. Father's down. Uh, several bets this year. So, what do you got for me? What do you think of the Nuggets in LA Friday? This is this is a big one for me because you mentioned the church yeah. and the facilities in the church. The one thing and is maybe just an OCD thing, but going to someone else's house, I love being at home and having my home base. Yep. You know Agreed. what I mean? My own porcelain. Well, you know what's nice too, at least in, in in our home setup, is we have a bathroom attached to our bedroom. That's our bathroom. Mm -hmm. There's no one's butt cheeks getting on that thing except for me and my wife. My bathroom. Like, you can live with certain levels of grossness, but that's my potty, okay? Everybody else can shit and piss and do whatever they want to do in the other bathrooms, but nobody touches my bathroom. So, if, if you have to drop a grumpy, I can quietly move away from the party. I can go to my bathroom. I have my time. My day's unaffected. It is a disaster. If you ever have to shit in someone's house, no, because this is. is what happens to me every disaster. time. I feel guilty even doing it. Yeah, this happens to me every time. If that, if I'm in that situation, I'm doing that. Invariably, there's always going to be a knock on the door. Mm-hmm. One <laughs> and two. When I walk out, somebody's right there waiting for me to get out. So they get and that now they're first exposed to everything I was doing oh, in there. of your <laughs> parfum. And then, oh. and then you get done in there. You're all set, and then you realize like. There's no air freshener here. There's no way for me to so like. So the person waiting on you to get out. Now you're looking for their reaction when they get out. Right. Like, oh my yeah. gosh. What did my luck is sound like hot chick. <laughs> How is the shitting gets brought up every single podcast one way or the other by hook or by hey, crook? Listen, these are very important life situations. I just think it's a fear all of us have deep with inside of us. Of course. Us. No. All right. So all right. So David, obviously you're spoken for for the Super Bowl. Sully's got the best odds of giving us a good like. Like we could live vicariously yeah. through Sully. Yeah. What is your Super Bowl? Plan? So we had a we had a great time last year. Threw a party at my house. Have three TVs downstairs. Got on all three TVs. It's great. We had a great time. We'll probably run that back again. What we did is how many people? My we had probably. 12 people, 15 people. You know what's interesting? It's not bad. Hey, D- David, did you get an invite to that? I did not get an invite <laughs> to uh, Roberto, that. did you get an invite? Oh, to no, that? of course not. I, hey. I haven't gotten any to any of these parties either. That's No, that's not true. We got to put it together, but though. But you're hosting. You, you, can't come you guys are more than welcome. Hold on. Time out. First of all, all of you get invited. David has an excuse. A, he thinks yeah. he's better than everybody no, else. No, stop it. And B, he's got children. Roberto has an excuse. It's, well, he hates everything and he has children. You show up at things. I, if I were throwing a Super Bowl party, I'd invite you. I we, got, am, we got we got to throw it together. We still got to figure it out. But oh, it Jesus. was great though last year because we all went to brunch Sunday morning, and uh, what we all went to brunch what? Sunday morning. Ran that into uh, the Super Bowl. We had a, we, a friend of mine. His name's Justin. He passed out before the Super Bowl. Is, even started. Hold on, hold on, hold on. Is that it was, a it was, Super Bowl it was incredible. Sunday? That's a Super Bowl Sunday yeah. tradition for you. Well, I think brunch? we might do it again this year. Yeah, yeah. but hold on. He Whoa. Did, so what? Yeah, but here's what brunch is. Let me explain what brunch is for white people. <laughs> 
brunch is go out on a Sunday morning, generally near noon. Uh-huh. Get fucked up. Yeah. <laughs> That's brunch. Mimosas. Bottomless, bottomless right. mimosa. No, David, David. <laughs> yeah. So it's lose, a French toast. Yeah. And... No, David, lose <laughs> the illusion of Sully yeah. and a, a champagne flute. And, <laughs> yeah. ooh, I'll take the French toast <laughs> with strawberry. No, this is go out, get table, yeah. siphon alcohol. Shitty food and mimosa. <laughs> come yeah. home. That's, that's brunch for white people. Understood. Right. Hey, guys, it's Sully here, and I want to take a minute to talk to you about our good friends, over at Copper Craft Distillery. So Holland, Michigan, west side of the state, and if you haven't checked them out yet, you owe it to yourself to at least go check them out. Whether your drink of choice is bourbon, whether it's whiskey, whether it's gin, like Wojo, whether it's vodka, whatever it is, they have it all, and they have a lot of great products for you to try. I've tried pretty much all their products. I've been out there to Holland, and they do a really, really nice job, and they've been winning all sorts of awards. They've won awards for their distillery. They've won awards especially for their bourbon, and they're in all sorts of liquor stores, all sorts of local restaurants. They're also all over social media, so go to their website, coppercraftdistillery.com, and yes, you can find them on Twitter, you can find them on Instagram, you can find them on Facebook. I actually got a tweet the other day from someone here at a local bar. They tweeted me a photo of Coppercraft sitting at the bar, and they had to give it a try, and they really, really enjoyed it. So give Coppercraft a try. One more time, their website, that's coppercraftdistillery.com. Holland, Michigan, check them out. Whatever your drink of choice is, they got it. Coppercraft Distillery. So the other thing I want to cover, and it's just, just for fun, because I think everyone's got some good ones for this, but... You, the the one Super Bowl moment that stands out for you. Now, look, it doesn't have to be about the game. Super Bowl Sunday is a time marker. It's like a place in time. It, it, it's we don't even we don't remember the dates the game is played. We just say Super Bowl Sunday. That's it. So, just quickly, I want to go around the room. Now, I guarantee you what Roberto's going to do. It ain't going to have shit to do with the game, and it's going to be, hey, oh, this one time when Keith Richards did the halftime show, and I'm going to have to listen to this. <laughs> and he did, actually. Well, yeah, and he looked awful. I'm trying to look up the list here of like every halftime performer of all time. Okay, well, while you're doing Give that. that no, all right, hold on. I mean, I've got two. <laughs> I got two fun ones. I mean, one makes me look like an idiot. The other one was just incredible. But, I mean, David, you want to start? Go for it. Yeah, sure. Uh, my favorite Super Bowl memory is the Rams, Titans, oh. Super Bowl 99, uh, 2000, I believe that was the Super Bowl, February or January 2000. Kevin Dyson. Greatest show Kevin Dyson. But everyone remembers that play. My favorite play of the Super Bowl was McNair when he was supposed to be tackled and sacked, and he continued to drive. I believe that was the final drive. He kept the drive alive and kept that team alive. They didn't end up winning the Super Bowl, but that play to me was ingrained in my memory because— That's the one? Yeah, that's the one because McNair was such a dynamic quarterback to me. I love seeing him do that, and I wanted him to win, yes, because he was a black quarterback. So remembering that play, that is so memorable. Here, you want, love you, it. You, want, you want me to feel really old? Yeah. I remember it was around Christmas time, and it was like, you know, weeks before Christmas. Mm -hmm. And I was working at this Christmas tree thing. It was like a side job. I wasn't even 15. I didn't have working papers, but it was cash. It was a good thing. Mm -hmm. And I was doing Christmas trees and tying them in people's cars and all that crap. Oh. I remember getting home from work. And the one double A playoffs were on, and it was uh. Steve McNair was the quarterback at Alcorn State. Mm -hmm. And if I'm not messing this up, they played Youngstown State, the Penguins, mm -hmm. Jim Tressel School. They played them in a snowstorm, 
And it, it was all this hype because Steve McNair was like this entity, this thing. Or yes. People were like, this guy is going to be a first round. And it, it didn't happen very often back then. One double A guys. He was, it was just everything. And I remember watching that game. That, that had to be, Jesus, David, 94? Mm-hmm, what was his last year at Alcorn State? Uh, I think 94, 95 at it least. Just, yeah. But it was right around that point, and I, that I remember seeing him. It, your first reaction when you saw Steve McNair was, holy Jesus, this guy's huge. I know. But now every quarterback is so five. big. He was a beast. He yes. was massive. All right, that's yours. Sully? Yeah, so I, and that was a great one, David. I mean, that Kevin Dyson play was crazy. And Man, he, is Sully patronizing you. No, God, is that so good? No, I, I love that memory. That's a great story. But when, when I think about that, all I can envision is that field that looks like a damn putt-putt with how that yeah. turf was back in the day. <laughs> but anyway, so this one, I was like six, 1999. And I remember it was the Broncos-Falcons playing in the Super Bowl. And this uh, was this was uh, kind of like pregame, right before my brother and I were running around the house playing something. That's the whatever. year Eugene Robinson, after mm-hmm. winning NFL Man of the Year, <laughs> went out and picked up a hooker. <laughs> he was what a celebrating. Guy. Yeah, he got popped for solicitation. NFL Man of the Year. But the thing is, I don't really remember much of the Super Bowl because it was pregame. My brother and I were running around the house, I don't know, playing, doing something. Probably playing football or something. And there was kind of this, this corner on the table, and long story short, my, my brother slipped. He's like four. He's two years younger than me. Two years apart to the day, by the way. My parents must have been on a schedule. But oh, he, Jesus. He, he, was, he was two years younger than me. He was four. He slips on the hardwood floor, cuts his head oh, on, on the corner of this table, oh. and it, there's, he's bleeding. Oh, you're not going to get that to stop. No. So then my, we had to take him to the hospital. He had to get stitches. No. Had to get stitches, missed the entire Super Bowl. You didn't even get to see the game. No, and that's when I really first started. You know, as a kid, you start you know figuring out football, liking football, falling in love with football, and didn't get to watch any of the game because my poor brother had his had to get stitches because he fell on the hit his head on the corner table. Oh my god! And you missed the whole game. And you're right. He he you you get a cut on your head. That ain't gonna stop. Mm. That blood will just gush out of that. I'm reading here that in 1999 you would have missed a hell of a halftime performance. There's some real stinkers. On Let me this see list. who we got. Ninety nine was uh, a celebration of soul, salsa, and swing, featuring Stevie Wonder, yeah. Gloria Estefan, Big Bad Voodoo Daddy, and tap wow. dancer Savion Glover. Time out. Time out. <laughs> Let me tell you what that is. Translation. Everybody said no. <laughs> <laughs> and some of these I don't really remember. What year was the Janet Jackson one? That was uh, 04, right? No, that was 2004. Was it 2000? Okay. 04. Now, when was Michael Jackson? Because that was a great memory for me. Yes, it's Heal the World featuring Michael Jackson and 3,500 local children. Oh, they always do that. uh, That one. And then 94, I couldn't believe they did that. 1994 was all country. Clint Uh. Black, Tanya Tucker, Travis Tritt, the Judd. Travis Tritt. All right, how about the year I was born? 1980. We'll see. For a long time, they didn't. They didn't really have musical guests. That's why. Guests. I, that's it was, why I was, it was wondering. the marching band. Oh yeah, no. It was, 1980 was a salute to the big band era with mm-hmm. up with people. Who? <laughs> there was this group that would do like. Sully, what year were you born? Wow, 93. Okay, so we that covered Michael that Jackson. One. Jesus, David, how 80, about you? 85. And then uh, what do we got? 85 for the Bears and Pats. What do we got there? <laughs> just says a world of children's dreams. <laughs> what does what? that mean? Jesus. They had a but carnival? some of these, some of these I don't remember. Like uh, uh, 1997. This sounds awful. A Blues Brothers bash. Dan Aykroyd, John Goodman, and what? James Belushi. <laughs> 
how the hell was that the Super Bowl show? <laughs> That's really give awful. me give me one more. Give me like two thousand. Yeah, Tapestry of Nations featuring Phil Collins, Christina Aguilera, Enrique Iglesias, and Tony mm. Braxton. Oh my god! <laughs> now see, it wasn't until two thousand one. That they really started getting the big performers. So 2001 yeah. was Aerosmith, NSYNC, Britney Spears, Mary J. Blige. Yeah. I, I can't 2002 I was just U2. Yeah, because in the mid-90s was when Fox did that halftime thing with In Living Color, where they did the halftime thing to take away from the football crowd. And that's when the NFL decided we have to spruce our halftime show up. I'm learning a lot here. I've Two, never really paid it. I hate the halftime show. It doesn't do anything for we me. We remember 2006, Rolling Stones. No, we don't remember. You don't that. remember that? No. Who cares? What about Prince, 2007, in okay. the rain? I remember okay. that. Yeah, yeah. and yep. guess what? We've had this discussion before. I think Prince is awful. Oh! No, here's the worst. And I, I, hey, I know there's certain people around here are going to criticize me. One of the worst halftime shows I ever saw, Bruce Springsteen and the E Street Band. Mm, terrible. <laughs> Absolutely terrible. Then the year after that, they did The Who. They, they went even older. Right, they doubled down. <laughs> Here's some old shit. You don't Jeez, like that? Man. Here, we'll, we'll get even older. Remember a few years ago, the Super Bowl was trying to make the artists pay them yes. for, for mm-hmm. uh, yes. doing the halftime show because they get so much exposure. But that mm-hmm. never ended up going through. But no. they also wanted to prevent it. The jet. They wanted to prevent the Janet J- Jackson situation. They, does, uh, everyone remember, paying, does everyone remember exactly where they were when that when they saw that? I don't. Yeah, Arizona. Yeah. I don't. I just remember I was at a house party. We were all watching the game, and it happened. Yep. And it, you know, it was a topic of conversation for the next half an hour. I but. missed it live. What year was that again? Oh four. I remember the fallout because it changed radio forever. Sure did. Changed Jesus. everything. Changed the whole business. And the Super Bowl since then has been petrified that that would happen again. <laughs> yep. They've been well, trying no, so, to do anything they possibly could to avoid that. Well, that's interesting because after that year, you can totally tell what the, the rhetoric was. Yep. Now it was Paul McCartney, Rolling Stones, Tom Petty, Bruce Springsteen, The Who. Mm-hmm. Uh, not until 2012, they had Madonna, Whoa. then Beyonce, um, Bruno Mars. Uh, you know what? Now, now, I'm not a huge fan of any of these people, but... <laughs> Bruno Mars, from an entertainment standpoint, you he could tell entertain. he was hustling his ass off up mm-hmm. there. He was playing like 17 instruments. He had yep. 18 wardrobe changes. From an entertainment level, at least the guy was trying. Mm-hmm. There have been other years, though, and I, I, I'm not going to get into I don't remember him like Roberto does. The halftime show for me is a power-down period. Me too. That's a time to get away from the TV. Fix some food. Do what you need to do. Actually talk to a few people. <laughs> I, I am the last guy who's going to sit there and watch that stuff. That's why I missed Janet Jackson live, because I was getting food somewhere else. Then all of a sudden, I hear the reaction, oh, whoa, I'm like, what happened? <laughs> I'm just trying to get food. What happened? Everyone's freaking out. <laughs> Jesus. No, I my, I mean, mine is like twofold, but like, I've told this story a couple times on the air. It was 1990, so I was 10. Giants were playing the Bills. Giants were big underdogs. And that Bills team, that was the best Bills team. This is the Scott Norwood year. That was the Bills team that that should have won the Super Bowl. And if you go back and look, the time of possession in this game, I think the Giants had the ball for like 12 minutes. It was it was absurd. The Bills had the football, or excuse me, the Giants kept it away from them. But like the Bills, just you couldn't stop them. Thurman Thomas, it was crazy. I was so my dad had had enough of 10 year old me. That it had gotten to a point where he's like, you're being too negative. If if you continue to be negative, I'm not going to let you watch the game with us. So I was 10, and I was a little jerk, and I called my dad's bluff, and I was still very critical. Yes, even at 10 years old, I was very, very critical of Bill Parcells in our play calling. I was a little jerk. <laughs> I got I got kicked out for the Super Bowl. 
I got jettisoned to the back room. I had to watch the second half. I'm not kidding. Living room, parties going on, all the foods in the dining room. I got jettisoned to the back room. I was not allowed in the room again. You were Kevin McAllister. I was. You're a disease, Kevin. (laughs) But so I was allowed back in for the final drive. And then, obviously, when Mm -hmm. the Giants and uh, look, the Bills ran out of time. They got to kick the 47, 48 yarder Norwood misses. Well, all was forgiven. But the second half of that game, I, I was I was Kevin McAllister. I got kicked oh. out. Look what you did, you now, little some jerk. Big, big moments from that Super Bowl, which took place on January 27, uh, nineteen ninety one. Right, national anthem, Whitney Houston, and who was the halftime show? Do you remember? Couldn't tell you. Who would have been the biggest pop group in nineteen ninety one? I was probably emotionally distraught yeah, because my father kicked me out from watching it the was Super Bowl. New Kids on the Block. Ooh. And well, who, I mean, who were the announcers during that game? I don't remember. I don't even know who had it. I don't know if it was CBS. ABC, or... Al Michaels, Frank Gifford, Dan Deardorff. Dan Deardorff. I was going to guess Swan. that. Yeah. Mm-hmm. That was the classic Monday Night Crew. And the cost of a 30 second commercial in 1991 was $800,000. What's the cost of a 30 second this year? $800 million. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> no, it's probably, yeah, probably $2 million, 2.5. It's, it's a good place to stop it. Damn. Winter's here, and that means energy bills are rising. You can reduce your power bill with help from Power Home Solar, the number one residential solar provider in Michigan and one of the top solar installation companies in the entire USA. Power Homes installs American-made panels with a 30-year warranty. It allows you to own your power, not just continually rent it from a power company. As an official partner of the Detroit Lions, the company installed solar panels at Ford Field, and the Allen Park facility earlier this year and seeks to continue building a movement towards cleaner, greener energy by seeing if solar is right for your home. Go to powerhome.com. That's powerhome.com. Or you can give them a call, 1-800-SOLAR-15. That's 1-800-SOLAR-15 to schedule your free solar consultation today. Don't rent your power. Own it with help from Powerhome. Thanks for listening. As always, go to Radio.com and iTunes, subscribe, share. We'd really appreciate it if you would review it as well. And with your support, we'll get to two a week. So look forward to talking to you guys again next week.